Good morning, lovely people. Happy Father's Day and welcome to the Black Pill Radio Show. I'm your host, Mr. Tyler, and today we are celebrating dads, fathers, father figures around the world. And I got three guys on my panel who are fathers, and we're going to talk about some of the special things that fathers are doing with their children and in their community. As always, I'm going to let them introduce themselves first, and then we'll get into things. So I'm going to start with Brother Ron. Good morning, good morning, and happy Father's Day to all those that are tuning in, and Ron Peterson uh, representing the Titus Project. But first of all, Tyler, let me just, you know, recognize the creator, the creator within you that uh, uh, put these forums together, put these panel discussions together. Thank you and thank God for you on this day. Um, your, your, your question is uh, around fathers and, and, and what it means to me. Uh, well, I'm a grandfather, so, uh, you know, I got, I'm, I'm working on my second generation of, of fatherhood, and I was blessed with an opportunity to be a single grandfather when I took on my, you know, my grandson. And, uh, uh, you know, as families do, you know, we had to pull together, brought him from Atlanta to, to here, and I had to change my whole lifestyle being single. You know, I had to change my whole lifestyle around being a single granddad, you know, uh, uh, to, you know, not uh, doing the uh, pop-up dates and all that kind of stuff. And so, you know, it takes on a different responsibility to that. But one of the things that I think that it's important for us to cross the board and two of the things that I want to share with the dads out there is that we've got to focus on two critical characteristics, two critical spiritual things, and that's love and wisdom. And um, um, that's some of the things that are really lacking in our community and lacking in uh, who we call ourselves, you know, in terms of be dad and, and in terms of being men. And that can be evidence across the board, no matter what, you know, religious institutions or, or, or churches or what have you, is a lack of love and a lack of wisdom in that. And we can see that perpetuated the Christian church, uh, 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 Islam, across the, you know, across the board. And I say that in light of when there's love and there's wisdom, our communities would be, you know, would be a lot different. I mean, you can't come into our neighborhoods and do the kind of things when we have love and wisdom, because in terms of love, I mean, we're giving out a certain spiritual vibration uh, that creates a dynamic within the community, within our community that, you know, I mean, love and hate and all that kind of stuff can't exist in the same environment. And then we talk about wisdom and we're able to, you know, make, the right decisions at the right times, you know, about things. And so uh, part of my focus and focus uh, through uh, uh, the organization that I started uh, last year, uh, the Titus Project, is begin, which is a mentoring program, just begin to talk, to discuss and to talk about, you know, love and wi- and wisdom with our, you know, with our brothers, brothers across, no matter what, you know, what spiritual, cultural background. I mean, those are two universal principles that, supersedes all, all and uh, you know uh, I just think that as we on this day as we focus in, in first loving ourselves and understanding that peace and then the wisdom and and uh, I don't know you know folks you know pray or ask you know the creative force or whoever they may relate to for that for that I mean the richest man that ever was you know as the bible says that was in the world was Solomon and he had all the wealth and and you know all of that and he couldn't build the temple for God you know, but he had to ask for wisdom to be able to do that. So, I mean, that should be a lesson for, you know, for all of those who ascribe to that and, and throughout. And as we see, as it plays itself out on the world stage today, you know, even from our president on down, if there was more, you know, more love and wisdom in the world, I think we'd be in a de- uh, different situation today. All right. So 
Ron set it off with the opening of the question that I didn't ask yet, but Ron knew the pre-question <laughs> before we actually went live, which is cool. So I just want two fellas to introduce themselves, and then we'll get back to I the got question. Good morning, New York. Happy Father's Day to everyone out there that is fathers, grandfathers, daddies. Uh, my name is James Young III. I'm the community leader of Neighborhood Benches in the Bronx. It's a youth program for youth violence and youth incarceration. And uh, like the brother said, we target youth, man, and try to give back that love. We bridge the gap between uh, caring adults and young, and young youth out there that has lost their weight. Peace. Uh, good morning, everybody. Happy Father's Day. Good uh, my name is Kayvon Rivers. I'm the founder of a nonprofit organization called I Am My Community. And uh, I Am My Community, we promote public safety through mental health awareness, parenthood classes, and we also got an anti-violence unit. Uh, and that means that when somebody gets shot or killed in the street, we take it upon ourselves with zero to do with the police. We use our street credibility to find out who happened to who and how it went down. And then we reach out to both sides to try to come up with some type of understanding so it don't be no type of retaliation. Mm-hmm. All right. So as you can see, the brothers are doing positive work in the community, and that's what we need. We need more of that. Ron talked about wisdom and love, and that's definitely what we need out there. And we also need mentorship um, so our children don't go astray, and they can stay on the right path, and then that builds better families and better communities, and that's the purpose of life, right? So we're going to come back to that opening question, which I'm going to throw to Ron. Um, today's Father's Day. Happy Father's Day. And what does it mean to you specifically? Forget the outside thing. Just to you, you internally um, being a father and a grandfather. Well, it's about legacy. It's about really knowing, you know, who I am so I can create that uh, for of my children and for my grandchildren, mm. you know, is bringing my A game at all times so that uh, they can benefit uh, from that. Uh, as I mentioned in my opening, I had an opportunity to be a single granddad and that was born out of, out of my grandson um, in middle school. And he was just in between those two worlds, you know, doing the right thing or peer pressure. And so we got together to, uh, the family got together. I found out about it We're down in Georgia, down in Georgia area. I'm up in New York. And, you know, I mean, I had a, a, the space, the opportunity, and, and all those kind of things. I said, no, well, let me do that. You know, let, bring him here to New York and let me get him through middle school and set him on a course that, uh, uh, that will ideally that will help him understand, you know, what it is to be the young man and then a man. Mm. You know, and then and then ideally at that point in time when proper dis- when he has the the opportunity to make those choices and decisions to become you know a father, and so I mean that meant as I, sh- I said I, you know I was used to you know popping up somebody said let's go to a ball game or something I had a friend that had season tickets to to uh, uh, the Liberty and she would call hey you li-, you know I had to give all of that up you know but I didn't have baby care so so. Um, that was that at that particular point, and that also opened my eyes up to what a single mom goes through. I was around a good bit for my for my daughters, and then uh, their mother and I kind of broke up. But that was when I really, when it was on me, what it was to be a single parent. <laughs> you know, I mean, going to school, uh, uh, to making sure that things were taken care of, food, and, you know, I'm working and all that kind of stuff, and that they do, and that gave me a different level of respect 
for single for single parenthood. Uh, so, uh, there again, it, it, it's about the choices that we make, and and so it helped me to really temper the choices and the decisions around fatherhood. And then also, I mean, I was brought up with three dads. I mean, you know, even though I was came up in public housing, I was blessed with three dads in my life. I had my natural father, my stepdad, and I had a community dad. You know, that community dad makes sure that the mentoring programs, that we had summer jobs, at the after-school program, he ran all of that. And so that was an I those things were icon for me. They never left my life. You know, my natural father until you know, he passed away several years ago, my stepdad until he passed away, they were all played an integral part and they had different points of view and different things that they brought. And so, you know, it was said too much is given, much is expect, expected. And so I've got to be this kind of dad based on the history and then what they laid down for me. You know, uh, back in the days, and, you know, it was a lot different. It was a lot different in the community. I mean, it was like, there's a lot different respect in terms of, you know, across the board. I mean, I grew up in public housing, but the public housing police, they had a different respect, and we had a different respect for them. I mean, they would come play ball with us. It was, it was just, you know, it was just different. And I think we kind of got away from those integral parts of who we are relative to about color and all that kind of stuff. Because that same thing happened across the board. We just don't hear about it. You know, it's it, it, it about that love that we have for self, you know, and, and, and then the wisdom in terms of making those kinds of choices and decisions. We, we didn't pass that on. And so what it means for me is that to be able to do that. And so I'm always with my grandsons. They're down in the Maryland and, and, and the Georgia area. Every opportunity I can, I'm out, you know, doing something with them, giving their moms and their dads an opportunity to leave. And then our relationship establishes you know, which is a little different than, than that. So that's what it means to me, Tom. Excellent point. And legacy is very important, right. um, especially that bloodline and that heritage. Mm-hmm. We want to continue yeah. that. So I want to throw the question to James. You're, I know you're a new father. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah So yeah. congratulations. And happy <laughs> father. <laughs> yes. yeah, um, thanks, man. So being that you have a, a, a really young child, and you, and you kind of get an opportunity to maybe start fresh because she's young. She's not like she's 10, right? Yeah. So... From the perspective of how you would want to raise her and being a father to her, just her, um, what does that mean to you? It means a whole lot. You know what I mean, um, I'm very blessed, man, that, that she came here uh, with all her amenities, man. She's a she's a dog, but she's beautiful, and um, I really take this opportunity now more than I ever have with my other two, because my other two I was in prison, and um, I think my focus right now is is connection. You know, I think fathers and, and children today are not as connected as they should be. So um, as well as I was back in the day, you know, my son and my daughter, when they was born, I was doing time and I was in prison. And, um, you know, uh, missing out on those first steps, you know, those cries at night, you know, changing of the diapers. I'm getting that, you know, I'm getting that scenery now. And um, it means a whole lot to me. You know, my son used to always tell me those things, man, you know, when I was away that I couldn't do. You know, so connection is very important with me, fathers to fathers. You know, um, to be there, to, not only as to give them presence, but to be there as presence. You know, presence means a lot. You know, a lot of fathers today think that because they give 
gifts or they give money to the parents or the mother that they doing a self justice. But I believe that's that's like <laughs> that's where they that's where we failed at. We failed it. You have to be there. You know what I mean? You have to be there. Your presence alone means a lot to these kids. You know what I mean? I know when I wake up every morning and my daughter reaches out to me, I mean, that's like no riches in the world can change that. You know what I mean? That's what it's about. So how do your older kids feel? Like, are they, Do they want to be involved with the young child? And do they feel a little resentment? Well, my daughter, I mean, she's 25. My son is 15. You know, they both is in um, out of state. They both is in, one is in Maryland and one is in Florida. Uh, I watched my daughter grow up. I watched my son grow up. But I had got the tail end of it. You know, when they was about two, four years old, that's when I was in their life. You know, but as to now, I'm there from the beginning. You know, and there's not no jealousy part there. You know, we all, I have a saying, you know, family, man, your family ties, it goes deeper than people believe. It's all about your roots, you know. Again, connection, you know, reconnected from the beginning. That love, that love, that desire that we once had for her mother, we should also have that for the kids. You know what I mean? Yeah, excellent. I'm glad there's no animosity between the kids because siblings need to know each other and hopefully be each other's lives. It's not always that easy when you're dealing with other parents who are Mm -hmm. not yours, but if it's possible, that's a good thing. So we're going to throw it to Kayvon. Tell me what it means to be a father and a grandfather and happy Father's Day. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. Well, you know, that's an important role. It's like you're the leader, you know, leader of the family. It's like every business got a president. So it's like you the president. So it's like everything depends on you, the way you carry yourself. You know what I'm saying? The, the way you go get a job, the way you speak. Everybody's watching. All the kids is watching. And, you know, sooner or later they're going to take on to the things that you're doing. So it's good that you lead by a, a positive example. I got daughters. I got four daughters and one son. Uh, my oldest daughter is 30. And then my uh, youngest daughter is 14. That's son 20 in between there, you know. Then I got uh, I got four grandkids. My oldest grand is 11. My youngest grand just turned one. Then I got about like no exaggeration. I got about 40 godchildren, literally about 40. <laughs> the godfather. Yeah, got about 40 godchildren. That literally, you know, that I'd be having to go to their school and I'd be having to go here and they come and see me and. You know, it's like the whole community, they have a kid for years, they just automatically name me the Godfather. Mm. So I got a whole I got a whole community, man, myself, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> so, you know, it's, it just it just makes you feel good, man, especially mm. like a day to day, you know, you get your little cards and everybody come up and see you and you know, you know, your daddy, you know, happy father's day, you know, it's a token of appreciation. You know, and it and it makes you feel good, especially when you doing your part. And, you know, like the fathers, you don't really get nothing. You know what I'm saying? You know, the mothers, you go out and you do what you got to do with Mother's Day. So when the fathers, they do come and they just come and show you the love, you know, it's, it's worth a million dollars, you know? So so when you mentioned 40 godchildren, I'm thinking of a movie script right now. <laughs> you could make a movie out of that. That's a, that's a beautiful thing that you are interested in being involved in that many people's lives. Yeah. So we know with Father's Day, there's a lot of celebrations going on today. Um, is there any events or any street parties, anything like that that you guys want to mention so people can maybe attend later today? Yeah, today we got our Father's Day event in the Bronx on 184th and uh, Grand Avenue. That's like one block from Fordham Road. And we have a big event today, you know, for a couple of people that passed away. 
and also for all the fathers in the community. So, you know, so like that, like I said, you don't see too many things happening on Father's Day. Mother's Day, every restaurant in town is sold out. On Father's Day, we got to do make our own cookout. <laughs> got the you know, grill. Yeah, we got to bring the grill out. The grill. So, uh, we bringing the grill out. Yeah, everybody <laughs> invited. It's going to be on 184th Street in Grand Avenue. We're going to start like 2 o'clock. They said it's going to stop waiting about 2 o'clock. So we're going to try to come out at that time. So I want to give a shout out to Faith, which is an organization that stands for Fathers Alive in the Hood. Mm. I know they have a Father's Day barbecue out in Jamaica, Queens. Um, just go to their website, uh, faith.org or fathersaliveinthehood.org, and you'll be able to get the information. But I know it's on Foch Boulevard, and I think it's 150th Street or 150th Avenue out in Jamaica, Queens. Free food, free games, free stuff for the kids, so going out there and support that. If there's any other father events, fatherhood events going on in the community, around the country in America, just hit up, hit up the chat room, post that, um, let people know, or hit us up on our Instagram page, which is Black Pill Radio, and through there you can post some stuff up, tag some stuff um, to any events that's going on. So I want to move the conversation to what we are doing in a community as fathers. So I know, Ron, you mentioned the Titus Project. Um, tell us what that's about and how it directly helps fathers, people in general, but let's stick to fathers for today. Uh, the Titus Project it, it, it inspired last year in 2016, and it comes out of the book of, of Titus and in the Bible where um, Titus, and it just kind of gives you the backdrop and why it was important to me. Uh, we talked earlier offline about titles and things of that nature. So Titus was the kind of a person that, uh, uh, that didn't have a title. You know, uh, back in the in biblical days, I mean, you had to be apostle or bishop for somebody to listen to you, stuff like that. But Titus was anointed and what have you. And he went, you know, based on uh, Apostle Paul, what have you, to tell the community how to live according to their way. He had a title. You know, he just had a certain calling and a certain lesson. So the Titus project for me came out of that. He had to have a title to do what you're called to do. And so, which for me is, is mentoring as well started last year, got the inspiration to do it and, and, and what have you. And born out of that first, uh, for the mentees, I'm putting together a curriculum and a, and a mentee training program because everybody that thinks they're a good mentor may have a good sense of that, but there's a certain way, there's certain laws, there's a lot of different things in terms of mentoring that one needs to know to ensure that we've got the quality of mentoring, quality of mentoring program, putting together a, a, a curriculum in respect to mentoring curriculum and being able to do that and put the infrastructure together so that we'd be able to assign, this, this will be a national thing, so that we'll be able to identify and assign uh, mentors to that. Uh-huh. And I say that in particularly because in terms of the training aspect of it, and we got to know who in a mentoring relationship, who we're matching up. Uh-huh. You know, somebody got to be the be the person that kind of like sees that uh, brother said he's he's over godfather over 40 that means that they have a certain respect for him that know what he says has value to those 40 kids and all the time we we empowering the power to others to be a part of something you know you know who they are kind of what they bring to the table so part of that uh training will be to identify that and to put uh, a, a a spin on how we want that mentoring relationship to be, and then we're going to roll that out to the to the entire community to the latter part of 20, 2017. Mm. But you know, uh, Tyler Moore has been part of the fatherhood movement nationally and doing things that wise. So this is an additional additional extension of that of live a life there again, 
had to give back of just giving back at all times, at all opportunities, and whatever I do uh, uh, for the community, whether through other organizations, partnering with other organizations uh, to help their capacity, fundraising, et cetera, to uh, now the Titus Project, which will be rolled out. I've got one, matter of fact, I've got one uh, uh, mentor, and we're working with her. Uh, it's both for male and female, uh, and working with her to just kind of bring her up to date in terms of who she is as a person so that she'll understand how to transfer that information onto and trans- be transparent in how she deals with others. Excellent. And if people wanted to get in contact with you or look at the website, if you have one, any social media pages, how would they go about that? Titus202 at gmail.com. Uh-huh. Got it. All right, so now we're going to throw it to James. James is running an excellent program. So I want you to tell everybody what the program is about, how you got involved in the program, and how it benefits fathers. Mm. Uh, Neighborhood Ventures uh, is, a, is, a, is a very, very indeed program for the youth. Uh, as we all know, youth violence and youth incarceration is very high in New York City and abroad. Uh, what we do is uh, we bridge the gap between caring adults and young and, and young youth inside the NYCHA developments. Uh, you know, when I was growing up, you know, we had neighbors there that used to talk to us on the benches when we did something wrong or if we did something good. It was not like a, a discipline thing. It was something that we was known to. It was normal. Nowadays, we don't see that anymore. So we're bringing that back. We're going into the NYCHA developments. We're talking to the leaders there. We're bringing them out to go talk to the youth mm-hmm. along with, with us. You know what I mean? Uh, it's very important that youth and adults close that gap that we had. You know, I remember when my mother used to be at work at, from one in the morning till you know twelve at night, and our neighbors used to tell us, "Hey, don't do this," or correct us when we was wrong. Nowadays, they can't do that anymore. The respect level there is different. The trust level there is different for as adults. Adults don't trust our youth as, as we did back in the day. Uh, neighbors, I mean, um, children, they have the total disrespect toward adults. And what we're trying to do, we're trying to bridge that gap again. You know, we do mentoring, we do leadership programs, we do everything for them. You know, um, whatever works, I mean, that works for us, we're trying to bring that back. So if they wanted to get in touch with you guys or the website, social media pages, how would they go about doing that? Uh, neighborhoodbenches.org. Uh, uh, the gift and the curse. You can go online, uh, and you can see our website there. You can go to Neighborhood Benches on Instagram, Neighborhood Benches on Facebook. Right. Excellent. Hope everybody goes out and supports. So I'm going to throw it to Kay Vaughn now. I know you're running an organization that's community based as well. So tell us a little bit about that and how you got involved with it. Well, uh, like I said, the name of our program is I Am My Community, and uh, where I got that name is in. I was working for a part of Curve Violence in a place called Bragg, which was Bronx Violence Against Gun Violence. And I worked there for about 15, 16 months. And in the process of me working there, you know, I'm coming to my community where I'm from, and people was coming at me, but, you know, they have other problems. Some people was homeless, people going through domestic violence problems, people going through uh, court problems. So, you know, it was too much going on. So I decided to cut my things off with uh, Cure of Violence, and I started my own program called I Am My Community. 
so that way I could reach out and handle all the, you know, problems that's in the community and the things that I can handle, I can, you know, refer them to other places and other programs. So that's why it's so important to network. So we do a lot of networking mm-hmm. and we have like monthly dinners where we get people together, the whole community. So people get all just learn to break bread together, you know, and be around each other in unity and just networking and trying to help each other. Each one teach one instead of each one beat one, you know, and uh, inside of my community, we have a parenthood class and we stress on that parenthood class, you know, hard because we try to take it back to where it take a whole village to raise one kid. You know, we try to bring that back. So we like get together once or twice a week. And we just have a whole room full of people, man. And everybody speak about how they can help each other. And, you know, you may have a problem with your kid. And I can help you with it because I already went through it with my kid. And, you know, we just try to get that, bring that bridge back into the community. Because a lot of love was lost in the parent, to the parents and the youth when the crack ever came out. You know, before that, you had everybody that would come out. And regardless of what happened, you may be... Not fight for yourself, but if somebody disrespected your mother or your father or called your mother or father or something, you know, you came outside and you represented. But then once the crack came inside our communities and all that, it, like, people, parents was their first customers. So that right there, you know, it, 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 it really hit our neighborhood hard. It hit our family hard. And, you know, we got to get back together. And everybody got to stand strong. We got to build these families back inside these communities because a lot of these kids, we look at them, we say, why are the kids acting like that? Why are the kids acting like that? Them kids were born drug addicts. You know what I'm saying? And their mothers and fathers was crackheads, and they was running around the street and basically just left them. You know, the drug was more important than the household. So we try to get them kids out there, you know, some insurance and let them know that we all, like he said, you know, you may not be a father, but you are a father. Mm-hmm. That's right. Mm-hmm. And, and some of these parents today might not be doing crack, but they popping mollies and ecstasy. That's right. And these kids are K-2. yeah, and they're like pill babies now. You know, yeah, they're not black pill babies because they don't have that education, but they're like <laughs> pill babies right now. And you mentioned about networking. Network is is very important. That's going to determine your network, mm-hmm. who you're networking with, and it's really important that the community groups work with each other as well. Exactly. A lot of the community groups are doing their own little thing and. They don't want to be involved with that group and they're competing for funding. That's right. And mm-hmm. that doesn't help the community. It doesn't. But if the community groups did work together a little bit more, um, I think we would have better results in our community. That's right. Uh, me, me and Kayvon, um, me and Kayvon, you discussed this about a month ago. Um, you know, it's not about who's doing this or who's doing that better. You know, funding is going to come to you regardless. If you're doing the work, I think that's where that money should go to. Wherever your strong points at, that's where they should put the money at. You know, I and my community, they're in the Bronx. Neighborhood benches, we're in the Bronx. We both are targeting different things as far as the youth. You know, and, and the money that they're putting out for nonprofits, there's only going for nonprofits instead of just for I and my community or neighborhood benches that's doing certain things. And that's what they need to start doing. Because there's some community groups out there that are trying to do everything. <laughs> and they can't. And, and, and that's where they fell in. a lot of money to do everything, but sometimes they're really not even concerned with doing everything. They're concerned with funding and salaries and that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's important that the community knows the kind of money that's coming into these groups. So hopefully the community can have a say in how that money is distributed as well. Because um, some, I, I know in the community where I live, there's some things that are being done that the community just doesn't need. You know, if you have an ESL program, <laughs> 
and 90% of the community is black, I don't think we should be spending that much resources for an ESL program. Mm. But that's a big thing that they're doing in that community. I won't say any names. But um, we as a community, we need to decide where our resources go. Uh, we spend a lot of money on basketball tournaments mm-hmm. and football tournaments. But we're not spending a lot of money on education. We're not training and teaching career path, curriculums, and programs for these kids so when they grow up or at least when they get into high school, they can have, a, have an idea of which direction they want to go in, what they might be interested in. It's sad when a kid graduates from high school and they have no clue as to what they want to do and they have no passion about a particular career path um, other than playing video games and smoking weed, mm-hmm. right? That's their recreational fun, whatever. But we need them to think of how you're going to earn income, how you're going to start a business, how you're going to support a family, support yourself. Um, and that's very important. And I think our community groups need to do a lot more of that, right? We do need to drug treatment programs and mental health programs, the motherhood, the fatherhood assistant programs. All of that is important so we can have a stronger family and control our family a little bit with, with some of the mental illness. But when it comes to businesses, finances, um, career path training, that's way more important than a basketball tournament mm-hmm. or a double dutch tournament. Um, and I think we need to spend more of our resources in those areas rather than the recreational areas because the kids are going to go outside and play regardless. So we don't need to fund so much that. But I see a lot of the community programs, everything is a basketball tournament. Yeah, oh, probably. Oh, yeah, just keep on. But a lot, of, you know, I agree with that 100%. And a lot of things is because we don't get that from our community. But we're not getting them programs right there because we don't know. First of all, it's important for you to know what district you live in. Mm-hmm. You got to know what community board you on. You got to know who's your assemblyman. You got to know who's your councilman. You got to know who's your local senator. You know what I'm saying? These are things that we all need to know. So then we can fight for these programs and we can fight for this funding to get better education for the kids and better this and that and third. We don't know none of these things. So when you see something going on in the basketball, like, like it may, you got a basketball court around your block. So now you'll find out who these people is to throw a tournament. But when your building is tearing down, or uh, people get shot and killed on the block, or uh, you ain't got no light, or you ain't got no electricity, you're not going to find out who these people are. It's important for all of us to know who our local politicians are, and who, what board we under, and what district we in, man. It's very, very important. We electing the same people every year, and you ain't getting no results. And at the end of the day, you don't even know who these people are. The average person don't even know who they local councilman is if they walk past it. You know, so we got to make it our business to know these people and bring these people out to the community that elected them. I, I want to uh, challenge my brothers and change the conversation a little bit. Not so much change it, but add this to the conversation with Brother James mentioned in terms of doing leadership at the in NYCH, and I know this is probably there to you as well, uh, Tyler. Well, we've got to, if, you, if you're training leadership to take over those, the, the tenant association, the resident association, become leaders from that respect as well. Uh, NYCHA, uh, they fund a lot of money to resident, resident associations. For the most part, they're older women, have no connection really with the young adults in the, in the, in the community. Uh, Tyler, you know, you're, we've, we've talked about that and out there and there. I've had my share of running programs through that, and I know and understand that. And they don't embrace, really embrace young, adult, young adults. So we've got to start running, you know, for those elected positions, our own leaders, identifying those that, that 
you know, resonate with our spirits, what have you. And so that in that in, in doing that, we'll know what's happening, what's going on. We've got, you know, it's no it's no mystery, you know, how these things happen. And we've got to be able to do that, uh, uh, take leadership just like that. So you're doing a leadership program. I commend you on that. And NYCHA, my brother, I'm, you know, let's, let's run them for resident association president. Mm-hmm. Take over those boards. You know, you're training them on how to be a leader. Let's, let's put that into, you know, into action. So that money, they, that they do the tournaments and in, the, in, in public housing and NYCHA and all that kind of stuff. We can redi- redirect that funding to the areas that will, you know, will help them to aspire to be better citizens. That's right. Mm-hmm. So, so this is great advice to fathers and mothers, just people living in any community, mm-hmm. that yes. you want to be in charge of your representatives. You want to know who your representatives are. You should be running representatives. Put your money together, finance a campaign, and run the representatives that are going to have your best interest, that's going to have the community's best interest, and have those representatives really be involved in the community because some of them are involved for themselves. right? So we, we want to have people that are going to work for us, and that's very important. And on the topic of community, there are other there are other places in our community, other programs, other entities um, that could also be contributing. And one of those is the church, right? So my next question is, what? Are, and we have a lot of churches in the black community. So what are these churches? I know some are doing great things, some can be doing more things. But what are our churches doing in the community? And what is the church's role in the community? The church preaches that the father is the head of the household, but there's barely any fathers in the church, and they're preaching to the mothers. So how does that dynamic work when we talk about fathers and it's Father's Day? What is the father's role in the church? What is the church's role in the community? And I'm going to throw that first question to Brother Ron. Okay, so I'm I'm, going to lump the churches, the temples, and the mosque all together because for me, I mean, it's all basically the same. You know, um, We've been we we've been lulled to sleep by what is called religion as opposed to spirituality, and so the leaders, whether they be you know preachers, bishops, apostles, or imams, or what have you, I um, mean you know like we the big guys inside the building, you know I mean we yield all that inside the building, but ain't nobody coming out into the neighborhoods, ain't nobody you know preaching on the on the corner anymore like it used to be, ain't nobody embracing. You know, uh, uh, unapologetically, I have a Christian background, but I have a Christ consciousness that far supersedes religion and is in spirituality. And they're not really teaching or preaching spirituality across the board because that supersedes all kinds of things. And so what happens is that is that the leaders are lulled in a sense, false sense of security within a building. You know, uh, uh, within a, a, a pimp mentality, if you, if, you, if you will, across the board, you know, within the building. And so when it's time to come out, then they're reactionary mm-hmm. as opposed to, oh, somebody got shot. Now they all out or the police did that. Now they all out. But in terms of in terms of really, you know, being out there and, and, and in the community across the across the board, if, if, if the, our Muslim brothers uh, were on top of their game, Okay, then those who are, who are not from here that have the, the new bodega wouldn't be selling K2 pipes to our kids, loose cigarettes and, and that kind of thing. And they say they pray five times a day. Okay, that's another question. Similarly, they would, you know, they would have developed those relationships with the Christians or anybody else uh, to understand that we're living here together. And so all of that, when you develop your, 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 your Christ or your, your consciousness to a level 
all of that supersedes all that kind of all that kind of stuff. And so within our our houses of worship, as I said, I'm going to uh, give it a give it that nuances because they all fall into the same bag. Houses of worship, we become you know we become uh, I don't know what you call it. We become punks in the community, you know, and like big shots inside the building. That's my take on it. All right. So it's interesting that you say that because I agree with everything that you said. Oh, man. You know, the community, the church, the churches, the house of worships in the community want us as people to come to them. Right. But they're supposed to be coming out into the community. Right. That, that building shouldn't be full 24 seven. You should have these people out in the community being involved. Right. And like I said about the, uh, the community groups, what does the community need? Financing, that kind of thing, urban farming. Like the church should be involved in that as well. And for me, in my perspective of it, it seems like the church does whatever it wants to do. And in order for you to get help, for the most part, you have to be involved with the church as opposed to the church coming into the community. And I'm going to throw this to James. How you doing? I'm James Young the third again, uh, Neighborhood Benches Community Leader. Uh, this is a deep, deep question, <laughs> man. Seriously, man. It might hurt a lot of hearts out there. It might, I mean might step on some some toes. That's all right. But uh I'm agreeing with man, I'm agreeing with Titus right here. Listen, man. You you touched some vital points, but also, I mean, before we can point the finger, we have to go out there. I'm not a I'm not a, a member of Church of Heavenly Rest. I'm not a member of St. Luke on hundred and fifty first and fifty second in Amsterdam. But I went to them for support. And they came out and they supported us in the Knights of Development, all the way in the Bronx. Okay? So there's certain things you have to do. You know, you have to make that initiative step first. You know, I give all praises to all the churches out there that are doing a good thing. And I understand that that temple it is, is the church, but it is a temple out there inside these projects and in these streets that, that's really needed. You understand? You can't just do the work inside the church and don't want to do it out here on the streets. You have to come out here and do the work with these kids. If you want your child or your father or your son to not go to prison, you have to leave the church pool and come out here and do the work with these kids. Mm -hmm. And I agree with you. And we're not bashing the church. No, we're not. I want to be clear with that for (laughs) for people because if we wanted to bash the church, then we would just say we don't need the church. (laughs) And it would be that simple. We do need We would say the church is not important. Right. But what we're asking is for the church to be more involved in the community from the standpoint of coming into the community and not waiting for the community to come to your house Mm -hmm. of worship. Right. So by by expressing that, that's saying we do need you, that we do recognize you are important in the community. Indeed. Because if we didn't believe you were important in the community, we just would say the church is a waste of time and we don't need it. Right. I just want to be clear with that. So some of the church heads out there, some of the house of worship know that we're not bashing you at all. No, we're actually asking for more help and that you guys come into the community. And I'm going to get <laughs> K-Born's take on it. Ready to. <laughs> well, it's K-Born from my, my community. I feel that, you know, a lot of the churches lack outreach workers. You know what I'm saying? They don't have they don't have outreach workers. And most of the people that have these big programs that get these big fund, funds from the city and the state and the feds and all of them, they don't have outreach workers either. So, you know, you got the big money and you got all these openings to do something, but you have no type of connection to the youth and no type of connection to the street. I just went to a board meeting with the 52nd precinct the other day. And, uh, 
They was up in there grandstanding. They had the lady that's the head of the board, number seven. She was up there in the Bronx. She was up there grandstanding. And she was talking about how it's going to be a wonderful summer, how she's going to stop the crime, how the kids are going to do this. And I had to turn around when I got up there because she was like 80 years old. So I turned around. I was like, miss, could y'all all in this room look at the next person that's next to y'all? And everybody looked at each other. There was about 60 people in there. I said, yo, don't, don't y'all see y'all missing something? They're like, what? I'm like, it ain't no young people in here. So who going to go relate to this young, go relate this message to the young kids that they supposed to be cool in this summer? Because mm-hmm. I know none of y'all ain't going to be there because the youngest person on the, on the community board was like 65. So, you know, we got to like get more young people. The church got to invite more young people into their choir, mm-hmm. into their congregation. It also goes down to the monsters too. Mm-hmm. The monsters there, and they there every Friday. But that's every Friday they praying. I never see you outside. You never come outside and put no work in for the youth. You never open your arms up for the youth. When we have block parties and all that, you don't attend. Mm-hmm. You don't make yourself, you know, part of the. It also go down. I'm gonna go deeper than that. I was born a five percent. You know what I'm saying? And our duty as being a five percent is the duty of the civilized supposed to teach the uncivilized. And I've been asking brothers for the last 10 years, what happened to the gods? Because I don't see the gods in the earth out here teaching nobody. You know what I'm saying? They got, you know, they run around and most of the brothers are still caught into the asking each other, what's the day's reality? I mean, it's good to know the day's reality, but it's also good for you to know and do your duty. Because you've been asking people the same, what's your day's reality for 40 years. Mm. Now get out there and deal with life mm-hmm. and start helping the youth, man. And that should be a duty for all Muslims, all people in churches. And all 5%, that should be a duty for you to go outside and help your community, man. I just want to make one correction to the brother K. You know, everybody is an outreach worker. Mm. Everybody. You know, it, 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 nobody got to be designated. And, uh, so you, when you said, I just want to make that distinction when you say, well, churches ain't got no. Everybody is an outreach worker. We just take, for example, Jehovah's Witnesses. Everybody responds, we go knock on your door. Yeah. <laughs> You may not like it, but that's their, that's 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 what they teach. That's right. You know, well, everybody got that duty to go knock on the door to outreach. Mm-hmm. You know, so everybody's responsible for outreaching. But if the if the leadership don't make that intentional, it don't happen. That's and, right. and, and and that's what it's not. It's not happening. It ain't no it, exactly. It ain't happening. Ain't nobody ain't nobody making that initiative. Mm-hmm. I stood on the phone last year. And uh, they had a conference call with the mayor's office with the Thrive NYC. We were doing the Interfaith Weekend. And uh, it was about 60, 70 different organizations all around New York City on the phone. And all of these organizations, big churches and houses of worship, and all of these places got big funds. Mm. All of them. And we on the conference call. I ain't got no funding. But in the whole conference call, it's not one person who knew how to get to the people in the street. They got all these funds, but they was on the phone and they was telling the mayor office, like, yeah, we could do it, but uh, how do we go about getting the people in here? They have no connections to the youth. You know, they got they, we got to get connections to the youth. You know, um, K. Bourne, you're right, man. You know, at the end of the day, this is the purpose of Neighborhood Ventures, man, and I and my community and other grassroots organizations out here. You know, we know we're doing the hard work. We know we're doing the groundwork. At the end of the day, we can do it without funding or with funding. It's what is in your heart. So mm-hmm. I do this because it's in my heart. You know what I mean? I want to be a father, not only to my kids, but a father to kids out there that need to fathers. You understand? You know, um, 
I got lost, man, at an early age, 13, man, 13 years old. You know, I, I, I was detached from my family because of curiosity, you know, and um, I didn't have somebody that I could really talk to emotionally about what was going on in my head. And that's what's going on nowadays with these kids. You know, I'm, I'm afraid that they might do the things that I did when I was growing up, you know, um, just shelter themselves, close themselves in. Reason why I do the work with neighborhood benches is because I see kids just like me. You understand? I see kids out there just like me. You know, they crying, but their tears are dry, bro. You know what I mean? They crying real hard, man, and they want help. They want assistance. There's no love there no more. You know how hard it is to talk about love in the community? Mm-hmm. It's hard. These kids don't even know the, the first beginning of what love is no more, man. Mm-hmm. But we did. We knew what love is. We detached ourselves somehow in the way we did. I'm, I'm talking about now. These kids need to know what is the purpose of love, man. As a father, that's what we need to start doing. I'm not talking about your kid, my kid, his kid, his kid. I'm talking about them kids out there that need a father. You know what I mean? So let's talk about love. Let's talk about the family. Let's talk about men and women. Right? We, we can't be fathers without being with a woman. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So what, what is our role as men when it comes to dealing with women because I see a lot of brothers have babies from multiple women, never been <laughs> married to these women, involved with one kid's life but not the other kid's life and that's very irresponsible yes, right? so mm-hmm. just strictly dealing with them right? so when we're, when we're involved with women from the standpoint of teaching our young boys but then from the standpoint of now with men, how do we deal with women um, what, what's your guys take on that like, how do we, we talk about love, how do we teach a young man how to love a woman, respect a woman, even when she's not respecting herself, and why are we dealing with women who don't respect themselves, and why are we having babies with these women? Man, um, yeah. from, from, the, from the point of view of love, we've got to really understand, you know, what is it? You know, understanding, loving, starting from ourselves, you know, what is love, and, and, and you know, it's an action word. It don't mean that, okay, because you're a man, you got a penis in your pants or what have you, you can make love. You know, I mean, that's not it. But we know love when we feel it inside, intuitively. We know what that is. It's different. It's an opposite of hate, opposite of those those dark things. We know, you know, intuitively what love is from the time we were in the, our mother's womb at the time we come out. We may choose to go against it, that kind of thing, but we know love intuitively. As the brother said, we may, you know, go away, hide, and all that kind of stuff, which is true. But we got to get back to that, to that central point, as the brother was saying, and 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 talking about it. No, we don't want to talk about it, and all that. But we got to get back to that because that's going to help distinction. When we love ourselves, then we be able to identify and love, you know, love our our, our sister and our brothers. We got to stop with the spirit of abandonment. Mm. That baby mama stuff. We get five. That's because you know now you're putting on the sister of you abandoning her. You know, and that's a cycle in the spirit that goes on and on, you know, perhaps from her dad and what have you. That's why she may be looking for love in all the wrong places, all that kind of stuff. But we perpetuate that by thinking that because we got something in our parents to give us the right to do that, you know, so we'll go out and do that indiscriminately to get the other part of wisdom that comes in. If we have the wisdom to make certain decisions, Mm. then we keep our zippers up. Mm. Until the right one comes, until you get, you feel that true love that comes from within. Not, I love the way you look. I love you because you got a big, whatever, <laughs> you, you know. But you feel it. You got a sense of that, and we know that. And we just got to help our younger brothers, you know. And, and for us as men, help our younger brothers be able to identify. We have to have those kind of conversations. 
We don't, we don't have them in the mosque. We don't have them in the church. We don't have that kind of stuff. We got to break it down very plain and simple so as they're growing, what have you, they don't run the same game. We can stop that kind of game, you know, that's going on that we think that, you know, that, uh, you know, and, and you got to know that you've been created right, just like that. The creator, whoever you want to call you, created with a certain number of genes and chromosomes and all that kind of stuff, that you're a male. You know, you can never have the nurturing of a female. That's different. You know, so I don't care how many nips and tucks that you get. You know, you have you can't do that. You know, it's different. So you can't be, you know, you can't be a daddy today and 10 years later you decide you want to be mommy. <laughs> that's a whole different, you know, that, that's a whole different thing, what have you. So I'm just, you, you know, just just from coming from the strong male, what we need in our communities, you got to know that you were rightly purposed as you are. There was no mistakes. You know, uh, you know, sometimes I hear the, the, the conversations, well, you know, from, from uh, others who choose other lifestyles, I feel that I'm a woman in a man's body. Uh, you know, that's a feeling. But when you rise your consciousness to a spiritual level, there's a distinction that's made that you were rightly made as you are. Get it together. So, you know, I mean, regardless about going deep and stuff like that, let me put a, a disclaimer out. I don't know if you got any sponsors, but it was not Tyler. We were all speaking on our own and stuff like that. You know, but uh, we've got to be clear, crystal clear about that. I mean, I like your lifestyle and stuff like that, but I got to help you understand that, you know, that you were, you were made perfect from the time you was in your mother before then you were made perfect to come here to do a specific intent. And that is it. I don't care about your feelings. All right. So Ron makes a good point about teaching our young boys how to love, right? Because a lot of these young boys are getting that lesson from their peers. And it's a 13, 14, 15 year old telling you about love. Half the time they lying. Let's keep it real. They really don't even know what they're talking about. This conversation should mostly be had with their fathers, father figures, uncles, leaders, leaders, that that kind of thing, and not the peers. And it's the responsibility of the father to teach these young boys how to love. And I, I love Little Wayne's video, that song, How to Love. Mm-hmm. Um, it's very powerful. It is. I'm not a Little Wayne fan, but that mm-hmm. song and that video is amazing. It's called How to Love. You guys should check it out. Um, I'm going to turn this to Kay Bourne. Um, when it comes to dealing with women, because I, I know you have children from different ages, like almost a decade, right? So talk to me about what that process was like for you, your conscious thinking back then, and how you feel about it now. Well, you know, uh, a lot of things go from in the household, you know? So like my, my mom's a past past when I was young. So a lot of things that would have been guided out a little better wasn't. So I try to, like, make that with my kids. Like, as far as, like, my son, you can't be coming here with no whole bunch of females in my house and spending the night with females in my house and doing all that, you know? You got to carry yourself like a gentleman. So he's 20 years old, so I stay on him on that from the gate, you know, and make sure that he carrying himself and let him know the difference between you being a young man and you being a playboy or fake GQ gigolo, you know, and all that, you know? And... Like I said, when I was young, I got three different baby moms, right? But all my kids is together. Mm-hmm. You know, all of them got a relationship with each other. And I, like, made that stick from the beginning. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm, whatever happened, I got to make sure all my kids know each other. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. I got to make sure that all my kids be the, together. And a lot of people you know, I see that don't do that. You got people that got kids, and this kid can't talk to that kid because the mother don't like this one, mm-hmm. and the other mother don't like this. You know, and, 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 it's, and it's hard on the kid. Because the kid is standing here, and they know that you their father, and you taking care of two kids over there. But I'm over here, and ain't nobody taking care of me. You know, that got to hurt them because it looked like you're taking favoritism over kids. You know what I'm saying? You're taking favoritism. And plus, if you're a man and you go out with a female and she don't accept your kid or you're a female and you go out with a man and he don't accept your kid, and, 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 and you, but you go for that, though. You know what I'm saying? You can't never shoot your kids down. You know, not for no man, not for no female. Your kids come first. You know, and, 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 and that's that's like... Famous in the community, famous in the hood, you know, and, and, and it's dead wrong. And it's dead wrong for you to stand right there and to tell your older kids not to deal with the young kid because oh your dad just had a new baby. That ain't your sister. That ain't your brother. Mm. And, and you know it, it's wrong, man. You yeah. got the kids going against each other. They hate each other. They don't like you. They don't like the father no more because you went and had the new kid. Mom's boosting this. Instead of keeping all this unity, man, a lot of things we put a lot of pressure on our kids and put them in a lot of positions that they shouldn't be in at a young age. Mm. And it's really like a lot with the black and expanded community. You know, as far as the, when you get 18, I'm throwing you out. Mm. You don't hear that in the white community. Go to school, get your education. When you're ready to move, you move. Right. You're not in here selling no trouble. You're not in here selling no drugs or nothing. We're giving these kids a date. So not only how happy could I be, when I'm turning 18, when I know I'm getting thrown out today, and I ain't got no place to go, I ain't got no job, I, you know what I'm saying, I ain't got no food, I ain't even got a plan, because I just turn 18 like this, you know what I'm saying, and then we also promote a lot of things in the community where they have, making us think that we can live a single life, mm. like you got a lot of females that walk around, black females, Hispanic females, and the first thing I'll tell you is, oh, I don't need a man, yeah. I don't need no man. I can do me. But meanwhile, you on WIC, you on welfare, you on Section 8, you on everything. You know, but you don't need a man. That, that, that's an excellent point. When we talk about putting our kids out at a certain age. Um, shout out to the homeless people out there who, who don't have food today while we're out there barbecuing who might be fathers but mm-hmm. dealing with mental issues or whatever, veteran issues, and they're homeless. You know, if you see a homeless person out there today, why don't you give them some of the food that you you have on the barbecue or buy them a meal or say happy Father's Day? You'd be surprised at the response you might get back from some of our male homeless people that are out there today. So that's very important, and I do want to just address that. And then I want to lastly bring it to James. You're raising a young girl, right? So like you mentioned earlier, it's kind of a chance to start over, do it from from inception, right? Um, How are you going to raise her to deal with the men that she's going to meet when she gets older, when she's going to choose, hopefully, a husband, um, choose to become a mom. Um, what do you envision for her? What's the path? Oh, man, you know, <laughs> it's very early. But, you know, like I told my, like I told my lady, man, you know, I, again, you know, for brothers out there that do have baby moms or, or children, mothers, mother, mother's child, I don't title, I don't title as a woman. That's one thing I don't do. Uh, the itch word, I don't use that. You know what I mean? I hate it. You know, I, uh, as my daughter and my first daughter, you know, I always told her the same thing. You know, um, you're a queen. 
You're a queen first before anything. And you should not subject yourself to any man or any woman that don't acknowledge you as one. Uh, abandonment is the enemy of love. You understand? Abandonment is the enemy of love. Any man that neglects you, any woman that neglects you, don't love you. You know, um, my daughter, I'm going to love her as I love both of my child. Um, I love their mothers, regardless if I'm with them or not. I love them. Uh, see, the thing is, as, as, as men growing up, we think because we move on to the next woman that you still can't hold on to that love or that identity that you once had for the first woman you met. And that's wrong. That's abandonment. Mm-hmm. And that's what brings about a cause of chaos inside your household, inside your family. Me as a child, you know what I mean? And I say a child because at age 16, you're still, you're still a child. You're not mentally developed. You're still a child. And if you have a baby at a young age, you're going to act as a child would act. You don't know the first step of what love is. You have a kid out there in the world, you don't, you don't even know how to love yourself first. So it's really hard for you to love your child if you're 16 years old. 15 years old. You don't have, you can't even derive to that first substance of what it really is to raise a kid. Now I do. Back then I didn't. So do you have support from your extended family? Oh yeah. You already know that, man. You know, it's, it's called being ground rooted, man. You know, uh, my family, my daughter, my son, their mother, you know, they rooted me on. Oh, congratulations. We can't wait to see her. You know, this is what you need in every household. You know, love is a very, very essential part, man. And, you know, again, I said it earlier and I'm going to say it again. You know, without love, man, it is going to be hate, man. It's going to be hate there. Mm-hmm. You know? So to all those folks going out to the barbecues, the cookouts today, um, try to love each other, right? Let's not have no drama. When we wake up tomorrow, we watch New York One News. It shouldn't be somebody died and got shot at a barbecue. You know, some fathers is fighting and baby mother drama. Like, let's just be responsible adults. So we have 90 seconds left on the program. I just want to talk to each person. If you just want to say something to a father out there very quickly in like 20 seconds, what would you say to a father, a new father out there? Much of what we already said to focus in on on, um, loving, first loving yourself. And then loving, you know, extend it to your family, your children. Uh, and uh, just, you know, just be about the joy of the Lord, man. Oh, yeah. Um, listen, I want y'all to take this with y'all, man. A father said to his son, be careful where you walk. The son responded, you be careful. I walk in your footsteps. Take heed to that. Amen. Peace. is keep going. Uh, I'd like to say to all the fathers, man, especially the young fathers, you know, keep your head up. You could do it. Things are going to be tough sometime, man, but you could get over it. Over it and just stay positive. And uh, listen out for the new record we got out on YouTube and everything called What's Peace. Outstanding. So I want to thank you guys for being on the panel. And again, happy Father's Day to you brothers. Happy Father's Day to everybody out there who's holding it down. To the biological fathers, the stepfathers, the men who are with women um, who don't have any children, but you're still a father figure in a sense. You're a head of a household. And to those mentors out there. Um, we love you, Black Pill Radio. Peace. 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 Happy Father's Day. Happy Father's Day. Yeah.